Welcome back to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the first episode of season two. I am so excited. I think the last episode of season one, I had shared that I was going to get a puppy, and I now have that puppy. His name is Arrow, and I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but if you do, you know that I'm obsessed I've never really been a dog person, at least I thought I wasn't. I didn't grow up with dogs. I thought I was a cat person, but I was very, very wrong. I am 100% in love with Arrow, and he is my best friend, so I am loving being a dog mom. I just went full 0 to 60, full-on dog mom, and I'm all about it. He is precious. I have to say I missed you all so much. I really did. I know the traditional way of podcasting is releasing an episode at least once a week, and I appreciate you all giving me the time and space to have my own cadence and create a way of podcasting that works best for me. And I think you will be able to see that a span of a few months to be able to recharge and come back with vigor and a lot more energy totally pays off. Okay, we are starting this next phase of the podcast off with a bang. The guest today is my dear friend, Jamie. I've known Jamie for five years, I think, and we have been through a lot together. I actually split this episode up into two different parts because it is packed with a lot of nuggets and I want to make it digestible for everybody, so it kind of ends on a cliffhanger But please stay tuned for next week because next week's episode is very, very exciting. I almost don't really want to give any context for this episode because Jamie shares a lot of her story of what's happened in the past few years. And um, the story takes a lot of turns and I want you to be able to be along for the ride. However, I will say that we talk a lot about pregnancy And so if you are somebody who is struggling to get pregnant or has dealt with miscarriage, um, just want to give you a heads up there. Engage with this episode as much or as little as you need. All right, y'all are going to absolutely love Jamie. She is truly an incredible, incredible person. She's somebody that brings out the best in everyone she's around, and it's kind of impossible not to be in a good mood when you're around her. And I know people say that about people, but this is for real. This is really genuine. She actually lights up the room. Sounds cheesy, but if you know her, you are probably nodding your head and smiling in agreeance because it's just the dang truth. Now for what we've all been waiting for, please enjoy Jamie. Okay, how's my how's my sound? Does that sound good? It sounds good. Are you nervous? I'm, I'm always nervous. You know what it is? I think I want to make sure that I'm hitting everything correctly or properly, but I really just need to chat with you. Totally. It's just conversational. We I sent you those questions, yeah. but if we don't get to some and we go on a rabbit trail, it's totally fine. It's just wherever it leads. Wherever it takes us. I'm just so proud of you that this is your thing. It's fun. I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to keep it going? I don't know. We're going to just feel it out. You know, we're writing this TV show Mm -hmm. and I have another book that I'm working on too. So I have 
like a lot of projects that are going. What's the concept of the book? We haven't talked about the book no, yet. No, we haven't. That is not for the podcast ears, okay, but I'll but cut this, this part just, out. <laughs> this, this is the rolling. rehearsal. Yeah, we're just rolling. Um, I feel like we got to just no, jump in. This what is, do you think? Wait, this is great. Yeah, but okay. I think you need to save this. I know, I know. For the time when your book comes to life. It's not like ready. It's going to be like a couple years, you know? But I just have some ideas brewing that I'm like What a starting. journey. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Amy because she asked me what we, I was doing today. And I was sharing just your journey of what you've done after you see the people. And she was like, wow, she's just so creative and like efficient. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I've always known the speed of being an executor. But it's, it's hard to find someone who is efficient and creative. I feel like you don't have any block in releasing what you want to release to the world. Like, I think, you know, you have this reserve of creativity and things that you want to give to the world and you aren't a perfectionist. Yes. Yes. And no. Like I would say now after I've released stuff without having a block and just kind of mm -hmm. like releasing a bunch of shit and not really thinking about it almost yeah. in an impulsive way, which has been a gift and yeah. also can be a curse where maybe like there could be a little bit of a block on some stuff because I realized that sometimes it's crossing a boundary for me mm -hmm. when I share something that might be a little too vulnerable that maybe I don't want to share publicly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that boundary was crossed until I've already shared it. And so like there's a little bit of a perfectionism that's coming back yeah. where now I get scared sometimes to like release stuff. I've had a backwards journey with it where uh -huh. I think a lot of people they don't put stuff out for years and years and years because they're afraid. And I feel like I've put a bunch of stuff out and then got hurt a little bit by people's reactions or whatever. And like, I've gotten overwhelmed with mm -hmm. the after process mm -hmm. of it all. And now I'm like having to reel back and be like, okay, how do I want to like slowly, thoughtfully, intentionally, move forward, mm -hmm. still create, still be brave to put stuff out and know that not everybody's going to be pleased with it, mm -hmm. but to make sure that I'm completely comfortable with what I'm sharing and creating. If you're completely comfortable, is it brave? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is such a good question. You're right. I think there's still going to be stuff that it's, it's just scary no matter what. Vulnerability, like true vulnerability is a lot of times just scary no matter what. It's like if I get really vulnerable and like talk about my fears or like the parts of my body that I don't really love or something, that's like always scary to me. Mm -hmm. Insecurities, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you're right. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is not about me. I want to talk about you. No, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wait, can I just be on the podcast with you to just interview people? Because I love to hey, talk. You would be such an excellent to talk, you know? podcast host, for real. <laughs> you ask such amazing questions and you're so curious. You are literally the most curious person I know. I just want to know what people are thinking. Would you ever want to host a podcast? Maybe, but I would want to do it with a co-pilot. 
Totally. Like, I would be a co-pilot with you. Okay, well, let's chat about that because I would love a co-pilot. More, more <laughs> ideas of what yeah. SP and Jamie go to do in the world. Definitely. Let's put a pin in it um, because I would love a co-pilot, honestly, because it's just so much easier to, like, bounce ideas off another person and, like, mm-hmm. have a conversational partner. Um, okay, are you ready? Should we, like... I guess in? we were supposed to practice, yeah. but why don't we just chat <laughs> okay we can just chat and we'll just see what happens well i am so excited to have you on jamie this has been a work in progress for like a year just because of scheduling and yeah. life and i'm thrilled to have you on today thanks for having me i know it has been i feel like it's been four years in the making when we really talk about it but i'm i'm first and foremost just so proud of you like, I feel like I'm going to tear up just because Aww. we're, like, finally doing this, and I love you so much, and, yeah, I'm <laughs> proud of you. Oh, thank you, Jamie. No, you are one of the first people I was like, okay, definitely want to interview Jamie, because when I met you, I mean, you really changed my life in so many ways. You really did. I met you in 2018. I was super young in my career and you were such a mentor to me. I mean, you were just so warm and welcoming and full of joy. Honestly, it's hard to believe you're real sometimes. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're real. We just connected. Absolutely. Immediately. Yeah. So we met at Youth to the People. Go Youth. Which you were the director of strategy, planning, and people. That was your title. That was a long title. <laughs> a long title. I think you added. I think, were you like director of strategy and added I just kept adding things that we were doing. Yeah. And then um, you became the VP of people and culture at You to the People. Like, how do we even do this? I know. Is it a linear story? What Would you feel comfortable if we started with when you and Greg announced your pregnancies, where do you want to start? Oh my God, do you remember that? I do. It was, well, it was really funny because we kept leaving the office at the same time for these allergy doctor appointments. And I think the team at the time was pretty small. We had 11 of us. Yeah, so we knew something, something was, was up. Because like, y'all were always there. You didn't ever leave didn't in the leave. middle of the day. We didn't leave in the middle of the day. We just, we ate, slept, and breathed breath. <laughs> we were just the company. <laughs> breathed, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, we came back, and I remember knowing that I wanted to, to share the journey. Um, there was just this kind of, would you say it's a stigma of a brown, you know, when you're pregnant, you kind of stay in this hush period for 12 weeks in case anything happens. And um, it's really reasonable why, because typically if there's going to be um, an abnormality or something that happens, it does tend to happen within that like five to 12 weeks, five to seven weeks. But I was just so elated that I wanted to tell the team because you guys were our family. And I remember coming back from an appointment and we pulled everyone together. We were on industrial at this time. What office was this? We've moved so many offices, (laughs) SB. We moved a lot of desks together, (laughs) you and me and Drew. 
um, and our team. I'm surprised we don't have like workers' comp injuries. Oh my gosh, thank God we never did because I don't think we were even set up all that well for it at that time. We would have had to research what that even means. Yes. We were just winging it. Um, But we came back and gathered everyone at the bottom of the steps. And I think we just told you that I was pregnant. Yeah. And we told everyone I was pregnant. And we were everyone was freaking out. out. Crying. Crying. We've got tears. I remember Melly being like, that is why you've been eating such weird things. Like the the waffles? Yeah. You bought frozen waffles? You had a rotisserie chicken for lunch, <laughs> like a full rotisserie chicken by yourself. You were like, okay. <laughs> to be fair, I still love rotisserie chicken and it is a daily rotation for me. Who doesn't? They're kind of underrated, yeah. rotisserie chickens. <laughs> so good. You can you can make so many different meals out of a rotisserie chicken. And then Kimmy. Kimmy was like the milk. And so we were Because you were just drinking milk. I was like, drinking milk. Out of a water bottle. So weird. We should have known. You should have known. And so then I think we were telling everyone that we knew I was pregnant because I, I had taken a pregnancy test. But when we went to the OB, she was doing my ultrasound. And then I looked at the screen and there's this, you can see your uterus and you see like a sack. And then you, then I saw this like wall. So I asked her, like, okay, what, what's this wall that's doing over here? And she goes, well, if you look at this, you can hear, you know, the heartbeat. And if I turn the ultrasound over to beyond this wall, you'll hear the second heartbeat. (laughs) And I still have a video of you guys, your faces and your jaws dropping. I think it was Kimmy looking at this video. She goes, oh, twins? Oh, my God, twins? So we were that was how we told you all. Oh, my gosh. Y'all were just so special to us. And so to have y'all announce that you're starting your own family, everything was so happy. And then to have you guys say, there's two? (laughs) I mean, we were like... What? You know, like that was another giant announcement. It's so wild. Well, at that time, do you remember Grandma Eva, who's the the matriarch of the whole Youth of the People family and our founding story? She had just passed. Mm -hmm. And this is a little woo-woo, but when she passed, six girls in the family all got pregnant. Whoa, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I don't think I knew that. Oh my goodness. Six. Six girls. Oh my gosh. Five or six. Everyone was pregnant within like one to two months of one another. And the first that we found out, uh, Greg and I went to Australia with Joe and Alexandra for a Sephora event. And we sat down to eat dinner together. And we both ordered just one glass of champagne. Like, which is really odd because... We love wine and just, you you're know, great. You're in Australia. You're in Australia, good craft drinks. But between the four of us, we got two glasses of champagne. Something's and up. Something's up. And so I look at Alexandra and I look at Joe and she goes, okay, so we have something to tell you. 
And then I look at Greg, <laughs> and we all go, wait a minute. <laughs> Y'all both just knew. You're pregnant? Yes, I'm pregnant too. And so we were both pregnant at the same time. Isn't that crazy? Yes. This is like so hard to tackle the story, but the listeners will know why in a minute. Now a lot unfolded after that. Yes. So do you want to just share what happened after that announcement when you announced it to the team? It was more or less a really easy pregnancy at first, right? We were like in it, twins seemed odd, but we're like Greg and I were both, we're quite extreme in what we do. And so we thought, okay, you know what? We need to get a bigger car. <laughs> so that was the first adventure was getting this large SUV. Um, and then I felt like I was just, ha- I had a really easy pregnancy. No nausea. I loved it. I loved all of the eating I was doing. Ham and cheese and egg croissants all day. Just, just loved it. Um, and then we started to kind of pass all of our testing, but the the scary part of the testing was an amniocentesis. And so that happened at about 17 weeks, I think, is um, when I had that testing. And this is a harder to talk about because I don't think everybody knows mm. this part of the story. Um, not everyone on the team got to know the full scope of what happened. Um, but the wildest thing happened when we tested the girls um one twin so the twins are called baby a and baby b twin a and b a is the one that's closest to the opening of coming out into the world and then b is the other twin when we tested them for any genetic defects b came back with mosaicism Mm -hmm. which was just a probability of a chromosomal abnormality, and A was fine. Prior, we had tested them for whether they were identical or fraternal, so it's called zygosity testing, and they came back as identical, which seems really odd that identical twins with the same DNA would have different defects. Hmm. So the geneticists, they were all just baffled and so what they did was they took the culture of the cells and they made new cells to test for both girls Um, they did it I think three or four times because they were just super baffled by this but every time for B um, she came back with having an abnormality and then A was always fine which was so crazy So, um, we had to make this really difficult decision of, do I carry on the pregnancy Mm. with having twins, um, and then maybe having a special needs child and, and then even the complication of twins are harder to get to viability than a singleton pregnancy. So we made the really difficult decision to do a reduction so that was there's a really good doctor here in LA she was actually in 
Africa at the time doing some pro bono work. Um, and she, we got in touch with her. She flew in. As soon as she flew in, I saw her. And we did the reduction on B to just really try to give um, twin A the best chance. And that was hard. Yeah. And there's basically a two-week period of doing that where it's really risky. Mm -hmm. And I was almost out of that two-week period. I think I had two days left, and I didn't make it. And so I went into preterm labor and had to deliver. Um, yeah, and so... That's kind of how it unraveled. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> you know what's interesting is the doctor is in the same fetal um, center. I can't remember the name of it right now, but they kind of set you up to be coming through a back door because they understand that you are dealing with, you know, death. Mm -hmm. And life is on the other side mm. so that you don't have to hear wow. the heartbeats of the other babies. Ugh. Wow. So how far along were you when you went into labor? So labor was 21 weeks, um, which is like a little over five months. So some people in it, when they're pregnant will have spotting. I didn't have any spotting. And uh, I started to get kind of these contractions, but I'd, I'd never been pregnant before, so I had no clue what it was. Yeah, like cramping or something. Yeah. Oh, I, I ate something weird. Or, I'm pregnant. I don't know. I don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. And I also am kind of a mule and stubborn, and I think I have a pretty high pain tolerance. So this cramping was sort of happening. I remember it was when we were about to launch Kombucha Power Toner, so we were doing that trippy, tropical, moss, flower shoot. And um, Katie was modeling for us, but also out here just to, to be here and hang out. And she and I were at home because I was on bed rest. So after the, um, the reduction, I was on bed rest for two weeks. And so I was just kind of, you know, moseying on about. And then my, it, I started getting what I now know are contractions. And I didn't know what it was, but it started to kind of intensify. And then it got to a point where it just, I was like, someone needs to hit me over the head with a pan because this is so painful. Like something bad is happening. And so that's when we got in the car and we were like driving to Cedars. So you got to Cedars and they just knew instantly like you're in labor? Yes. You know how we, we knew that something was really bad was when you have every chief of each department coming in oh, gosh. to yeah. check in. Yeah. You want them you. to be like, oh, it's totally fine yeah. instead of like, like, um, person after person coming in. And it was just too early at 21 weeks for viability. I think 24 mm -hmm. is when you can really try to save a preemie. Mm -hmm. Um, and it happened all really fast. Like they hooked me up to IVs and I just, I think they just try to put that pain um, out fast. And then 
before I knew it, I just delivered. Wow. Was baby A not breathing when you delivered? Yes, Um, yes. So I learned that later. Immediately, or did you get to like hold her right away, or how did it all unfold? I was really, I think, drugged up, to be honest. honest. Yeah. Um, I didn't even realize the IVs were going. I think I had like morphine and maybe even fentanyl. I have no clue what cocktail they gave me, but it wasn't, it was painful. And then all of a sudden I couldn't feel any pain, but I knew that I delivered because of this pressure Mm. that you feel. Um, And then later I learned that she was stillborn, born. And they do ask you, like, if you want to hold the babies. Um, But I just, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. And then, you know, what's the other part that I didn't know about with childbirth is you then have to deliver your placenta. Does that hurt coming out or you were drugged? No, it was just more of you wanted the experience to be over. Okay. And here I am still needing to deliver. Your body then thinks it gave birth to two babies. Yes. Right? And so your breast started oh, the worst with milk, right? Yes. And you couldn't relieve yourself because if you had relieved yourself, your body would have thought, oh, okay, these babies are drinking this milk. We need to make more of it and more of it. So tell me about that. Do you remember? You definitely remember that time. Yes. I, yeah, like my, my boobs were gigantic because all of this breast milk is now here with no babies to feed, which a lot of people talk about when they have their own miscarriage journey, no matter where, you know, in that loss is for them. It's, you know, just as significant, but my doctor had said, okay, try not to, um, I guess extract the milk and then we'll your body will know to to like let it dry up and some of the things that I tried to do was she said cabbage cabbage cabbage? no cabbage in your putting cabbage on your milk duck really just on top of it just on top of it so as part of my recovery I was just chilling on the couch with cabbage coming out of my, cab- <laughs> my cabbage nursing. bra like Ariel or something yeah my nursing bra and I don't know what scientifically scientific rationale or reason it is but it has something to do with I think the vine not the vines but you know the um the veins that are in cabbage yeah it releases something that helps signal to your boobs not to make milk incredible <laughs> so I was just living in cabbage bras for a period of time. Wasn't it painful? It was so painful. And it's a mind fuck. Because yeah. you don't have babies to take the milk. But you have these symptoms of postpartum still. And nothing mm. to show for it. And again, you're still like you had to wait on the placenta and deliver that. It's like yeah. you're still having to have your milk reside in your boobs you're having all these things that would be so exciting to experience for the first time if you had your two babies totally you know when I look back at it though I think about how much support I had um and just I'm a big 
big, big proponent in telling people, not everyone, you don't have to push it out to Instagram or the entire world. But the reason I tell, told the team and told friends and family that I was pregnant is that when you do go through something like loss, you don't have to be alone. And I think that's what's important is like, if it was a secret, then no one's there for you. Not that people wouldn't be there, but people are on the journey with you. I was gonna ask you, cause you had mentioned, usually people wait that 12 weeks mm -hmm. to share. And it sounds like you totally don't regret sharing, even though this yeah. tragedy happened. Thank God you shared because otherwise it's so lonely and isolating. Being it's isolating. And I think for me, it was just shitty, but everyone gathered around and knew. And then even having people help share the news so that you don't have to relive it, totally. that was also so helpful. I think that is helpful in any really big type of news where you're grieving or there's a loss and you've got that friend that's like, I can tell this person so you just don't have to. For sure. And then after a while, you came back to work and your stomach was very, very flat. And yeah. I remember feeling like I knew what happened, but not knowing what happened, but not wanting, now I'm getting emotional, like not wanting you guys to tell me because that would mean that it would be true. And yeah. that same day in that afternoon, you guys sat us down again and we had a team meeting again where you sat us down and you said, we lost the twins. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. It was awful. It was awful. Like just how much we were hurting for you guys. And just the stark contrast between yeah. exuberant celebration yeah. to utter devastation yeah, and tragedy in just a few months. It was tough. It was hard. It was tough. That was really the beginning of the grieving process. I yes. mean, I feel like the grieving process takes time. Oh my gosh. It takes time. And it's not linear. No. It is not. I, I think that people always said that and I never understood it. This was the first time that I've had loss that I felt it wasn't in the right timing, mm, you know, like every like too soon, too soon. The Maybe other your grandparents exactly. Away. It's like okay, like this was like they passed before they were supposed to. So it was the first time I had experienced grief like that. I've supported other friends through having losing like parents um, too soon, things of that nature, but not my own grief. I've only had people who you know live really long, great fulfilling lives pass. Yeah. I think the best thing in life is that I was able to feel this pain, but also with the pain, I've never felt more joy than the like the beauty of being able to carry them. Like it was worth it. Like it was worth it. Like um, you loved them so much already. Yeah, and I had never been pregnant. It just felt magical. Yeah. And I know that so many people want to be pregnant and they never can. And just carrying them was such an ex a profound experience. 
but I, I can't regret it. It is what just happened, but at the same time, like, it was so beautiful to carry them. That's beautiful, Jamie. You gave so much of your love to them while they were in your belly. You gave them all your love you had already. It's so beautiful that the loss hurt so deeply because you loved them so much. It stays with you, and yeah. it, it really gave me this like sense of purpose. Before I was, you know, a little bit on the fence about, do I want to have kids? I'm okay if I don't. But once I was their mom and I experienced all this, it was crystal clear to me what my purpose was. Like, insanely clear. I wish that other decisions in life could be that easy. (laughs) But it was so clear that I was not going to stop until I was a mom. You have such a nurturing, motherly, loving essence that it's so, it's kind of obvious. Like sometimes it's It wasn't obvious, obvious to, to me. Right. Everyone's like, duh, you need to be a mom. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Like it was so um, hidden to me. I'm like, oh, I have my fur babies. I've got matcha. I've got hero. I've got all of y'all, you know, like yeah. mother goose to everyone. But I didn't know what like clarity I would have having my own children you just have so much love to give oh my gosh it's overflowing do you have this many tears on a podcast this is the most (laughs) (laughs) oh my nose I love it we can edit this not we can edit this great (laughs) um so it was May of 2019 June of 2020 were you guys getting a divorce? Yeah. Was it June or July? June or July of 2020. Just over a year later. Yes. You're getting a divorce. Yes. So much shit hit the fan. Yes. Well, the pandemic. The pandemic. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Wait, Let me forget. <laughs> yeah. That in March of 2020. Oh my god. Right? Yes. This is important. Yeah. May of 2019. Lose the twins. Lose the twins. March of 2020. Pandemic hits. July of 2020. Divorce. You and Greg divorce. We announced our divorce. Yeah, we started the process. Which means that that whole year, that's something that fell apart. That you were going through. 100%. So you're not just grieving the twins together, like, as a team... Mm-hmm. Together, your marriage is falling apart. Uh-huh. Your relationship's falling apart. So you're navigating double grief at this point. It was bananas. Triple. Two babies and your marriage and the pandemics. And meanwhile, you're running a company, which we're oh both God. HR. So we're like, everything's great. Like, we're going to take care of everyone on the team. Even though, meanwhile, behind the scenes, you are going through it. I think you and I talked every day. I mean, we talked every day anyways, but do you remember how hard it was when the everything was going on around the world and unrest with George Floyd? And it seemed like every morning at 6 a.m., something else happened that just unearthed all of this hate and angst and everything that people had to go through. Oh, yeah. It was every morning. Oh, look at the news. Chadwick Boseman died. Oh, look at the news. Breonna yeah. Taylor. One thing after another. It was so overwhelming. It was such a tough time. 
the timing of you going through all of this personal stuff coincided with all of this world stuff. Having to go through it all together was just... In lockdown. Hell, honestly. In, in hell. lockdown. Oh. Remember, those were times that we couldn't even get out of the house. No. LA was very strict. We had curfews. Yeah. The parks were closed. The beaches were closed at some point. The, uh, a lot of the hiking trails were closed. So you can only mm-hmm. go to the grocery store, basically. It's so crazy to think that we all collectively went through that trauma. I call that this like collective reckoning, right? And like we're both in HR, so like people ask me what determined or what were the reasons why some of your teams left. And if you think about your life, this past few years, everyone's taking it as this moment to reflect and think, what do I want for myself? What do I want for my family? Do, do I, I even w- want to be in the corporate world at all? Do I want to, do I want to work? Yeah. Do I don't know. Be creative. Just deconstructing everything. Yeah. And so much of that is incredible. But I remember for us, the office shut down. We decided, okay, everyone's going to go work remote. Mm-hmm. And then we were thinking, okay, in like a week or two, we'll be back. It's just going to be like a week or two, then we'll be back in the office. And then I saw a post from California that was like, no one is allowed to go into work except for essential workers or at essential businesses until April 16th. And I sent that to Kimmy and she was like, what? April 16th? (laughs) Like, as if that was an eternity, like unheard of, you know, it was going to be a month till we were going back. And then it just kept getting pushed back and it ended up being two years. Wow. I mean, even us sitting here talking about it right now, because we're able to gather again and the world seems to be back to normal, not even the new normal. Remember the phase when people were like, this is the new normal, quotes. No, we're, we're feeling good and gathering and connecting yes, again. Yes, going to concerts, going wow. to Disneyland. You wouldn't pandemic. be applying for the amazing race. No, because no, <laughs> you couldn't travel. You couldn't go anywhere. This is a great conversation to have right now because I feel like enough time has passed where I really have forgotten a lot of it and it's not so fresh anymore. I mean, it was three years ago, over three years ago now. And that was something that I kind of blocked out a little bit. And now that I'm kind of remembering, I'm like, damn, that was tough. We all went through so much. So much. (laughs) It just cracked us open. Every, it really did. Everyone, you know, like, wow. It really did. I was going to share this with you earlier, but while you were going through that, um, this is so not the same, but I was going through losing religion. I remember going to you in New York, and it was still very fresh for me that I lost Christianity. I loved it so much. And I was like grieving the whole religion, going to church. The whole thing was just snapped away. And I remember telling you, okay, I just think that for the rest of my life, I'm gonna always grieve this and like be sad about this. And I was like similar to like you, you know, you're always gonna be grieving the twins. But your response stuck with me because you said, well, actually, I've been working with my therapist, and my therapist is talking to me about how 
I am experiencing joy again and I'm healing and I am forgetting what it felt like to carry the twins and I'm like moving on. And so one day I'm not gonna be grieving them as strongly. And that's gonna be a whole nother thing where you're like, I kind of want to hang on to the grief of it. You want to feel it. You kind of want to feel it. Having this element of the grieving process where you don't want to not cry on demand about it because it feels so far away now. And I already am at a point where it's like not a thing. Would you say for you, are you further removed from it? I feel like it's shapes of grief. Yeah. And part of that the shape of grief that I'm probably in now is the joy. It's less the pain and more the joy of the experience that they gave me. I remember what ex- what experience you're talking about with my therapist because this is probably maybe two and a half years after having lost the twins. And the first year was really hard. I think it was really hard, and you remember this. Uh, Chrissy Teigen went through a really similar experience losing her baby Jack um, and it just flooded me seeing her go through it seeing her share it um, and, and I've always appreciated when people share to each their own for me sharing helped me find community and oh my goodness women out of you know different parts of my life strangers everyone had a story to share Um, And I realized that it helped me to share, but it helped them to have someone to listen to theirs as well. So I'm a big sharer. And when Chrissy shared, I realized that when she took those photos where she held her baby, I never held the girls. And so the doctors made these little footprints that I never looked at. For some reason, I was maybe scared scared of the pain so I had never looked at them and I remember I'm divorced now just like laying in bed with my two cats like totally catapulted into grief with with what I've seen with Christy's posts Christy's posts and I thought oh my gosh I need a piece of the girls and I had their ashes but I opened the little book and saw their footprints, and it was just cathartic. And that was the first time it was over a year that I finally saw their footprints. It's so beautiful because, in a way, like, you not looking at them, it was what you needed to, a year or so later, have that moment where you could look at them for the first time and have it be so impactful yeah. for your healing. Because you just weren't ready. I wasn't ready. And you were able to feel this, process this. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of akin to you didn't want to see me, my body changed yeah. because it would have been real. Yeah. yeah. And I saw their footprints and it was real, that they were real. Because it was all inside your body. Yeah. And it wasn't very tangible. It was even the, though it was, it was the denial yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah, there Look at us therapy ourselves there right go. now. That was the denial thing. You're just like, nope. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, but it was, I was ready when I saw it at that time, and it was so damn cute. Like, their feet were just so tiny. Just so cute, but they were, they had, 
you know, four feet. <laughs> so, so, um, so I was remembering um, when I was talking to my therapist at their anniversary of their passing, like two years down the line, I had not carried the grief so strongly and I called her to just have her support and I said, wow, like, I didn't think it would come on this strongly. And she shared when she lost her father um, ahead of his time that when she was further away from the grief, she missed it. So she told me, hang on to this feeling because it's going to get further and further away from you how potent the, the pain or the loss feels. And it almost makes you feel closer to them in their memory mm. if you remember it like this viscerally so that's, uh, that's what you're talking about it makes so much sense yeah. it would be hard to just fully move on right well that's yeah. something that you know having a miscarriage I feel like is the worst club that you want that you're in it's like you've got right. this community but it's a, it's a club you don't want to be in I mean there's a lot of clubs you don't want to be in but our society has such a hard time when it comes to grieving loss of children that haven't been born um, versus, you know, loss of a life that's been here on earth. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think parents who have lost, they want their, they want you to say the child's name if they picked it out or they want to remember because it doesn't. It's not a fragment of the imagination, even if you're in denial sometimes. So that's interesting to think about it that way. Definitely. No, I think so many people can relate. And it happens all the time. Not to say that because of the frequency that it, that it should be normalized, as in, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, more we of... we don't want this to ever happen. You like, don't want it to happen, no. but if it does happen, you don't have to be alone. Yeah. It's a huge deal. That's what we can normalize is that if this happens to somebody, it's a huge deal. And this is to be taken with a ton of empathy. Definitely. Okay. So. <laughs> Where are we now? We are, I think we need to skip to the good part. We need, we need to go Let's to. to the good part. Who yeah. sings that? What's, I what is know. that? Um, I can hear it in my head. I don't know who sings it. <laughs> That's how I am with a lot of songs. I couldn't tell you who sings it. Couldn't tell it. you. Couldn't it's, tell you what it's, it's called. It's on the TikToks. But I can hum it. Um, yeah, so, wow. You started your journey. Let's see. This was, when was this? Now we're um, in 2020. 2020 really right we're in 2020 oh yeah so was it 2021 that you started freezing your eggs and going through that process yeah was that right was okay that 2021 yes so 2021 I decided you know what I'm gonna do the damn thing it's what I want to do and I now have all this agency to do it without needing any permission from a partner um I knew it'd be hard, but I decided I'm going to become a single mom by choice. So I started on a journey of freezing my eggs. Which, hold on, time out. Like, that <laughs> is a huge deal. Huge deal. Single mom by choice. Were you afraid of what people think at all? Or were you just like, I 
couldn't care less. I'm doing this. I'm so pumped. Like, what was going through your head when you made that decision? I felt powerful. Oh, I love it. You know? I love I, it. I think I wasn't nervous at all about what people would think, but I feel that's probably just my personality is who cares? Yeah, you're like, this <laughs> like, is my life. It's my life. I want to do this. You do you. Yeah. I'll do me. Um, it's not it. going to har- harm anyone. And so... It's actually going to bless someone's life so much. Yours and baby Noah. Yes. Which that's skipping forward too much. So Wait, be, but that is a really good skip because I do have to take a break to go pee. Right oh my now. God, yes. Because go I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay, this has a happy ending, which I think we need to tell people that. Like, this is like, we're not going to just end it right here. We're not like, going to drag everyone down. No, we have a super happy ending. So yes, please go pee. Okay. Please go pee. No, <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs>